Welcome to The Curious Sheep, the podcast for everything sheep. We'll ask questions, challenge ideas, learn from each other, and share the wonderful world of farming and all the fun that goes with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro at shepherding, just bought your first sheep, or live in the city and are curious about farming, I hope you can gain some knowledge for your own farm or a tidbit of farm info to share at your next dinner party. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Curious Sheep. This week I chat with Leslie Zinger. She is the owner, along with her family, of Top Market Meats near Guelph, Ontario. And they do quite a lot of stuff on their farm. They've got sheep, goats, pigs, ducks. They were really into rabbits at one point, and they run a fantastic farm shop right at the farm, but they also go to a lot of farmer's market, and they also have a storefront in Cambridge. They've done a really great job of selling the products not only from their farm and other farmers as well. They they support a lot of other producers. If they don't have enough of any of their products, they work with a lot of farmers in the area too. So I chat with her about some of the things they're doing on the farm, the farm store, as well as customers. I thought she'd be really great to talk to right now with COVID-19 going on and how we're getting a different insight into what consumers are buying. I think we're noticing a little more different consumer purchasing trends and things like that. So we chat a little bit about all of that. And being farm moms, of course, we chat about the kids and feeding them, family dinners, and getting them involved on the farm. Enjoy. Okay, yeah, because I'm going to go to the basement because I've got teenagers <laughs> to the basement. probably ready to, like, kill each other doing their barn chores together. So. <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear, hear elephants coming soon. <laughs> Hi, Leslie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. I'm glad that uh, you reached out and it all worked out that we could uh, communicate today. Yeah, and it's always nice to catch up. For sure. It's one of those, um, you get so busy as a farmer and I find you always get so very stuck in your day-to-day farm or market thing. And if you don't plan and organize something, you don't talk to people outside of that. I know I find the same thing and I always um, comment about doing staying in contact with I call them my farmer friends because we get so busy and sometimes it's weeks upon weeks that go past before you know we just kind of see each other's posts or we like each other's posts all the time and just simply you know sending a, a text of hey how's it going yeah because <laughs> we we I know what's going on in your place and I'm sure you've seen what's going on at our place too right of course yeah yeah awesome so I want to talk to you a little bit today about your farm and the stuff you do with your farmer's market your farm store your customers and that kind of thing and I also want to get into a little bit just with the last couple weeks about how COVID-19 has changed how you're dealing with supplying your customers but first why don't you tell us a little bit about the farm it's you and your husband Jeff and then your kids Lizzie and Johnny right? Yeah so there's the four of us Um, so Top Market Meats is of course our, our family farm name we've been doing 
farmers markets and kind of selling within the community of what we raise um, when it comes to our pork and some goat and lamb and duck and um, some rabbit as well for just over 10 years. So yeah, we doing the farmers markets, um, we've been doing that for 10 years. And we've also been um, having events at the farm for about five or six years now. A lot of people in our community know us for our open farm day in June our pumpkin and pig party in October, the end of October, and also our trees for goats party in January. Those, Yeah, you were telling me the one time that you have people lined up in their cars down the road. Was it with pumpkins or with trees? Maybe both. It was, it, it was our pumpkin and pig party. It was so much fun. It was a bit of a wait. We had kind of, you know, weather restrictions because we generally use our field as a parking lot and we had a lot of rain for like five days. So we didn't want to ruin the hay field. So a lot of people waited in line, were very patient, enjoyed the farm, fed the pigs. Um, everyone took pictures and smiled and laughed. Also um, did some shopping at the farm and got to talk to us farmers as well. And, you know, it, and then after about 45 minute visit, they got to leave with a great experience. Awesome. And you do the same thing with the the trees as well, right? When people can bring their Christmas trees for the goats. Yeah, we found out a couple years ago that um, trees and goats kind of go hand in hand. It helps their digestive system. And the pine needles give off, a, I guess, that acid, which helps in mm-hmm. the digestive system. So we just put a little post on our Facebook page and said, hey, if you've got a Christmas tree, why don't bring it out and feed the goats? And people love it. We usually have some baby goats bouncing around as well. So it's pretty entertaining. And the goats just devour the trees for weeks on end. You get like, it's free feed, right? You don't have to pay for it. It, That's right. And the goats, like, it's amazing how they strip off all the pine needles, all the bark, and we're left with like this little stump. And then we usually have a pretty good bonfire and good to go. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, it's all about creating that customer experience right it's something it's not just them coming out to the farm to pick up some meat or some eggs it's they bring the family they have an event to come to and then they can go home and that was like their big thing that they did for the weekend and then they'll go tell their friends too right it's yeah it's a good experience especially like meet your farmers that are just down the road Like we have customers that, you know, are from Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo, some from Cambridge, Alora, Fergus, and and even in Elmira, it's it's kind of our circle around our farm where we're located in Eris. And it's amazing the experience that people have when they come here because that's what we want to provide them. And it's also an opportunity to talk directly to your farmer and ask questions and say, I'm you know, this is how we do it here. Other farmers may farm a different way, um, but here at Top Market Meats, you know, our goats eat trees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got the goats and the sheep. You've Mm -hmm. got pigs as well and ducks. Um, How do you manage so many different kinds of animals? We kind of have ducks we do seasonally, which which is great. I love, you know, putting 500 plus ducks in the barn 
now we have the ducks come in when the sheep are all done lambing and are out of the barn. So the barn gets cleaned, disinfected, and then the ducks go in the barn until they develop those um, white feathers where they can kind of handle the seasonal elements of the summer sun and the rain and a little bit of wind and stuff. And then we just, it's, it's really managing and rotating for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to, you know, come November 1st when all those ducks are in the freezer and that is a seasonal product that we carry. And the thing is with the communication we have with our customers is they know that in November when those ducks are processed, when we're sold out, we're sold out until next November. And that's how that product works for us. Um, goat and lamb. Lamb, especially for us, is a little bit more seasonal. Um, We lamb more this time of year. And then usually starting in June, July is when um, they start getting processed. And then we're selling direct to customers at our farmer's markets. Goat for us is something that we've grown steadily over the year, just adding more breeding stock um, to our barn. And it's becoming um, a product that we're carrying all year instead of just from June till December. Nice. Nice. So there's a lot of, I, cause I always get asked for goat as well. Cause we sell a little bit of lamb here at the farm and I always get asked right. for goat. So I always send them to you cause I don't know that many farms that sell goat, but there's definitely a lot of demand for it. There is a growing demand for it. And a lot of people, I think with worldly travel, you know, try goat at other destinations that they've been to and then are like, wow, that was really, really good. And then when they come home from a vacation or, you know, eating out at a restaurant that it's on the menu, they're like, wow, I want to cook goat at home. And I often tell people, if you can cook lamb, you can cook goat. And I tell people, if you can cook a steak or if you can cook beef, you can cook lamb. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't know. There's this, there's this idea out there that it's something that's hard to cook, but I think it's just because most people are unfamiliar with it. Yeah, and I think the recipes out there too um, sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming or there's certain cuts, but we get our goat cut up like we do lamb. And so we do goat chops and shanks and rack of goat, you know, with stewing and also on the bone. And then it gives people that opportunity that, hey, if I've cooked a lamb chop, I can cook a goat chop. And then people aren't as intimidated. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just need that one experience with it um, and maybe a little bit of a helping hand and then they're set. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we, we generally post a lot of recipes too to give people a little bit of a curiosity because when we cook goat, I love curry, but curry doesn't like me. And <laughs> it just is a spice that doesn't work. But I love cooking a leg of goat, you know, slow cooking in the oven with red wine and garlic with olive oil and rosemary and thyme, it's fantastic. It's an easy, delicious meal to put on the table. You're making me. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and you've pigs too. And I know you. You usually pharaoh pigs. Or are you buying in little pigs and then just? Yeah. Um, so we're working with growing. We're working with a couple different farmers. Um, so we raise a couple different breeds um, through our friends. So we're getting all the wieners. We used to do farrowing. And we ended up getting out of farrowing um, because we got a lot of farmers calling us saying, hey, I got into raising Tamworth or large black pigs on our farm. And now I have, you know, 16 or 24 piglets running around with no market. Um, So we started purchasing 
those weaned pigs off of a couple local farmers. And that gives us a variety of different breeds as well. And then we're also mm-hmm. raising a lot of um, Yorkshire and Duroc crosses from another neighbor for the summer months um, because they're the ones that give you that beautiful pork chop um, and the nice long loin where the heritage breeds give you a little bit more marbling. And we find that our restaurants um, know how to cook that marbling and they're not afraid right. of a little fat where the normal consumer can kind of look at that pork chop and go, oh my gosh, that's too fatty. <laughs> where that's the flavor. And the one thing that we find interesting is our neighbors have a very large canning company, which is Country Flavor. And we're the people that they call when, you know, they're making sauerkraut and there's a whole bunch of cabbage. And when they're canning peaches throughout the summer months and apples and pears. So we're taking that product and that's what we're feeding to our pigs along with um, some dry grasses, their pasture, and also their pig feed as well. So it gives our, our pork a little bit of a unique flavor, especially throughout the seasons. And it gets people just asking like, wow, that's, that's another sustainable product that would either go to a field to be wasted, but now can be returned to an animal for eating. So we do that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome that you can use all that, that extra waste. Yeah. And it helps with the cost of production as well. So it, it helps lower that cost, um, gives our pork a unique flavor and a distinct flavor that, um, you know, some customers are looking for some chefs. Mm-hmm. Good. And because this is a sheep podcast, Leslie, yeah. tell me about your sheep. Yes. <laughs> why? Why are they your favorite? They are um, my favorite. What? Damn. What breeds are you working with? Um, yeah, maybe just a quick overview of the sheep. Yeah. So our sheep, we have um, kind of two different breeds. We have the Wiltshire, I believe they're called. So they're the self-shearing. They've got the really nice horns. Um, we got into them about almost three years ago. They are a, a funny breed of sheep. They're very um, leggy. <laughs> so they're a little bit taller, but they're like little tanks on stilts. The babies come out as like the most curliest balls of fluff ever. And they're just like the cutest things on the farm. <laughs> and then we also have some Ile de France um, use and then we have a couple mixed ones that are like a jacob and an ile de france um our kids have gotten a lot of kind of heritage breeds here and there from their 4-h club in waterloo the waterloo sheep club and so they've they've always wanted to do a different different breed of sheep so that's my nasty cat (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna leave that in there (laughs) there's always one on the farm (laughs) and so the kids always pick a different breed um that they like to show at the uh their their fall show in september for the 4-h clubs so we do have a little bit of mix but the wilshire and ile de france seem to be our two two main um breeds but we're a small flock of just 35 and our plan is to just go up to 50 and that's comfortable for us yeah enough to market 
within your farm store and the farmer's market? Yeah. Or do you usually have extra? Are you able to get rid of everything yourself? We are able to get rid of everything ourselves. And we've also worked with a couple other local farmers as well. Um, I mean, we've gotten some from you in the past as well. And also um, from another farmer in Floridale to help us with um, production. So we get the weaned lambs and then we put them out on um, some pasture and finish them off and then that gives us a nice variety of uh, meat being available from June right on through to January. Mm -hmm. Do you notice with the the more uh, meat breed like the Ile de France versus the Wiltshire do you notice a difference in the meat if you compare them Um, or are they fairly similar? Not in flavor like I find the flavors the same but the cuts um, definitely you can tell when you pick up a shank from an Ile-de-France and a shank from a Wilshire. And the kids, they're obviously involved and they help you with chores and all kinds of this stuff like that. Is there specific aspects of the farm that they're interested in? Do you see them helping to take over the farm or running the show someday? We've got, we've got two teenagers. Um, Elizabeth is 16 and Jonathan is 14. They're still kind of finding their way in what they want to do. They have their parts of the farm that they love. Um, Lizzie loves the sheep end of things um, and the goats more like baby time <laughs> when the babies are being born. <laughs> Uh, well that's good because that's usually when it's more work right so you get the extra help that's right and Jonathan um he he's he's finding that he's liking a lot of the field work um I think you know being able to drive the tractor and the machinery and he's helping out you know when things break down and learning how to fix them and getting a little bit more hands-on um this time of year we also have a lot of um we call them bottle baby goats because we work with um, a goat farm in Grand Valley they do milk production so we get a lot of um, the males um, that need need to be finished and so he actually really likes to help out and he's been doing the feeding since being home from school for the last almost three four weeks um, he's been doing a lot of the feedings with me and kind of taking over the days where I'm off farm and and doing business stuff Nice. That's awesome that they can help like that and you can kind of know that they're going to be responsible enough and take off for the day. Yeah, I can leave them a nice long list and I generally tell them if you want to eat dinner at the end of the day, the list better be done. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you want motivation, you want your cell phone back or the Wi-Fi back on. (laughs) Yeah, nice. That's a nice thing with teenagers. (laughs) Good. So you have a farm on or a, a shop on the farm mm-hmm. um, and then you also go to a bunch of farmers markets yes. and then you have your storefront in Cambridge. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the three and how they differ? Yeah. So the farm store we started um, right when we purchased the farm um, from my husband's parents. We we had a lot of neighbors coming back and um, asking us for products. So we turned part of our basement um, through the cellar doors. It's nothing super fancy, but it's got that cute little farm charm that people really appreciate um, coming out to the farm. And that's in the basement um, of the old, you know, our old farmhouse, as we call it, through the cellar doors. 
And we also do lots of farmers markets, which in the last couple of weeks, everybody knows with COVID-19, um, a lot of farmers markets have come to a halt and we'll do so until about the beginning of May. And then we opened up a local food store in Cambridge called Top Market Family Farms about just over three years ago. And we have it set up where we work with a good number of local farmers um, within the region from meats to eggs to dairy, cheese, uh, vegetables, fruit, and a whole bunch of exciting things that are made with local products in Ontario. What was your, what was the idea to getting into it that way versus your farmer's market? Or do you find they complement each other? They do complement each other. Um, The reason why I started the store in Cambridge is we had a lot of customers and and even other farmers that um, are selling their products at farmer's markets where customers are like, okay, perfect. You know, the market's now ended. The farmer's market season, I'll see you next June. And a lot of us go, but we farm 365 days a year. And how can we get product and local product to customers on a daily basis? Yeah. And then, so you're trying to extend the, the selling yes, season the as selling well. Season. So that way it gets um, that local food and products to the customer all, all year. And the one thing is about our store that customers love is the items that we do carry, especially when it comes to fruits, is seasonal. So the first thing we start with, you know, is rhubarb, which is coming up for the rhubarb season. And then it'll go into asparagus. And then, you know, we start seeing a lot of um, greenhouse um, products in the winter from tomatoes, cucumbers, greens. And then it goes right into the summer of peaches and pears and then the fall of apples and things. So it gets people really understanding what local in-season products and produce is as well. And it's interesting, um, especially when we start talking about duck and how we raise duck on our farm being a seasonal product and that, you know, it is only available from this time um, from you know, November when they're processed. And then it gets people just really understanding the story and the person and the root, the circle behind their food. Yeah, I think that's, we're definitely going to see that a lot more coming up. And with the whole COVID thing going on, people have really come to realize what all goes into food production, the steps behind it. You know, as most people understand that farmers grow food, but there's all the processors, the butchers, the grocery shops. And if it's not in season, you don't necessarily get it year round, right? And understanding that whole supply chain and what's available locally, that's that's something a lot of people maybe haven't grasped until now. And now they're forced to deal with that kind of reality. Yeah, I think it has definitely um, opened up a little bit of a discussion amongst people in their food habits as well. And the production behind those habits and, and purchasing um, of those and, and what, you know, how much work it is to maybe find local products, but then also how easy it is once you know the source to get those products. Right. Yeah. Knowing, you know, a shop like yours, knowing that it's there and that you're, 
usually stocked up with a lot of local foods, which is probably in times like now with COVID going on, it's a lot easier to stock local products than having to source things from, you know, even across the country and internationally as well. Yes, we haven't run into um, a with doing inventory that way because, you know, we've got eggs graded on a couple days during the week. So eggs can be delivered to the store several times a week instead of just once a week off of a truck from somewhere else. Or milk is, you know, produced by EB Manor at a Conestoga and bottles can be delivered you know, two times a week to our store as well. Um, you know, processing um, chicken from our chicken farmer, he can have those chickens um, out on a Monday, um, you know, killed on the Monday, processed Tuesday, packaged, and then in our store by Wednesday, Thursday for the customer to purchase mm-hmm. all weekend long for, for dinners. So it's, it's, a, it's um, a cycle for the local food. And, and getting it into our store has, it's still been easy. It's just been busier. <laughs> A little bit yeah. more running around How... in those, these days. <laughs> yeah, I've heard um, my father-in-law, he does some chicken and the store he was selling chicken to, they're like, just give us everything you have right. because they were so busy. Everything was selling out. Um, I imagine it's going to calm down here in the next little bit, but are you finding like the butchers you work with and, and the processors that way, are they still able to keep up with the increased demand now? They are keeping up, but I'm finding that all of us are really feeling the burn. We're, you know, in the, in mm-hmm. our daily conversations, it's like, we, we take that minute to go, Hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, how, how are things today? You know, were you really busy yesterday? Um, you know, and just because we feel, you know, the, the stress of it, because we want to make sure that our community is fed and the busyness and just making sure that we can still cope with it as well and not burn out ourselves. Yeah, that's a big one. Cause I was finding that here on the farm too, right? We, we still have all of this stuff to do. And then you start worrying about, well, can I still send my lambs to market? is there still going to be a demand for our product? And then it's not just all the work that you're dealing with, which especially for you, right? You're it's changing with how you're providing that product to customers a bit with having, you know, your farm shop is shut down right now and you're doing some deliveries that sort of changes your workload. But then you're also worrying about the big picture stuff, right? Is I have this product, I can sell it. I know the customers want it. And, but going forward, right, how are things going to change and are we able to cope with that? It can be really stressful. I have found that it has been stressful. Our farm business, um, because of the farmer's markets being closed, we've, we've gotten a lot of phone calls of, okay, now where? And a lot of customers that do have access to a vehicle or drive themselves will make that trek to the store in Cambridge. Um, gas is cheap, so a lot of people, you know, don't mind getting out and driving a couple extra kilometers. <laughs> we could drive around now, yeah. you know, to the store in Cambridge. Um, but those that necessarily can't drive or don't want to go out, um, we've decided to do um, Tuesday deliveries, and so we kind of we kind of been doing biweekly in Guelph and biweekly in Kitchener and Waterloo, and it's been going over well for. Um, 
those market um, goers. And, but our thing is, you know, just making sure that we can get orders in and organized and it's time from, you know, from, for myself away from doing the farming part to organize orders, which, you know, could take a quick, easy hour when I'm organized <laughs> or it could right. take three He's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the kids bothering you or, you know, you have to go help with the lambing yeah. or whatever in the yeah. barn, and right? He- but do you find... Do you find like you're not doing the farmers markets and you're doing the deliveries? Does it equal about the same time? Um, it's been it's a different time. Yeah, it's right? been um a little bit less time doing deliveries um when organizing and stuff, but then in the vehicle is you know you're you're driving and getting to destination to destination and my challenge I got to find that app that you know I can enter in everybody's address and give me a nice route. and just make it you know a nice big loop and so it's it's a little bit more um putting those type of orders and planning involved seems to be a little bit more than you know when we go to the farmer's market it's like okay you know saturday's farmer's market day um these are the products we've got we can organize it you know bring the cooler set up sell and then you know at the end of the day take what we don't sell home and we're done for the week where this has been you know a couple days of people ordering then you know having little specials where it's like hey this is the price of this meat box and then people adding on and then you know sending a total and getting payment and then getting an address and a phone Mm -hmm. number and then driving around so it is a little bit a little bit more work um but I guess, yeah, it's adding extra steps, right? You can't just do it all in one day, (laughs) you know, at the farmer's market, someone's going to say, I want package A, B and C. Here's your total. See you later. You have to do a little more planning behind it. Yeah. Do you find the buying habits are changing? Are people maybe planning their meals a bit better and like stocking up or is it about the same for a customer for what they buy per week. I am finding that because we're doing deliveries bi-weekly, most people are buying enough for the two weeks, sometimes three weeks. And then they can plan mm-hmm. their meals accordingly. If they do have to go somewhere else or they've got another delivery coming in with produce, they can plan plan their meals. But I am finding um, with this, like that's the farm part. Now the store in Cambridge, um, we get those customers that still want to come in every single day and, and get, you know, a couple things. And then we also have customers that are purchasing what they need for two weeks and they're like, awesome. We'll see you in two weeks. So it's, it's been Mm kind of individual preference on how people want to do their shopping. I think people are, a little bit more aware of what's going on and how they need to be so together so we can all beat this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting that people are still wanting to, I guess it's a habit thing or, you know, to get out and go to your shopping for the day. Yeah. And our store, like it's not a big store. It's just, just under 700 square feet and our products come in and move very rapidly in the store but there's some customers that their grocery shopping habit is literally leaving work purchasing for dinner what they're going to have for breakfast the next day and then 
come in the next day for dinner. It's, it's an everyday purchase. Um, and right now we're finding a lot of seniors are coming in some daily because that's their, their only, you know, person that they've talked to, um, every day is, is right, us. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, for them to be safe, you know, they're wearing their gloves, they're, they're sometimes wearing their masks and hand sanitizer, but it's their only human interaction is us at the store and it's lonely. And so if, if it helps, you know, when, when they come in and I'm like, you know, are you here to get your muffins today and your bottle of milk and your bacon? Let me get that for you. You know, so I, cause at the store we're wearing masks and we're wearing gloves and we're sanitizing and we're cleaning all the time. And so even them standing there and just having a simple conversation is their way of getting through this. Yeah, exactly. They need that little bit of social yeah. interaction. That's, oh, that's, I, it's almost hard for me to fathom because I'm going on week three of being to the grocery store and I do it on a regular basis. Like I, we try and eat through the fridge and we get down to like the bare minimum. So I'm used to not going to a store. So I can't, that would almost be too much work for me to go to the store every day. It is like even complete opposite before you know before March break um because we knew that we were going to be lambing and kidding and so you know I stocked up on toilet paper and paper towels and things because yeah because I I normally don't go to any of the big big stores for like almost six weeks when we're when it's that season for us and yeah Yeah, it's, it's I mean with with myself having the store, it's very convenient because I can, you know, grab my milk and my butter and my bread for the week for my family. And I'm there all the time. So I can still do my shopping on a daily basis. Um, but it's even changed, you know, a lot of um, our habits um, as a family as, as well. It's not just, oh, I forgot this. Okay, I'll pop in here. You know, we've only selected. Yeah, yeah. About it. Yeah, a few, a few places to go to. And um you know, Jeff and I have kind of done the divide and conquer. He's got his list, which includes, you know, the beer store and liquor store. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then I have my list. And and so if it's kind of out that way where he needs parts and to the feed mills and things, that's his department. And then I'm kind of doing the other stuff just to like, you know, the baker and the butcher and um, the produce auction and to the store. So that's kind of been my bubble for the last month as well. Yeah. What do you, do you have any visions going forward as to how your business or just food sales and that farmer customer relationship will be going forward? What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts on it are, I think, for myself, like we do a lot of pictures and posts and I think people need a little bit more interaction from us on maybe social media from our page. Like it's, it's hard cause like we're busy and we want to make the time, <laughs> but it takes time. <laughs> it does. It does. It yeah. does. It's, it's, you know, a lot of like heart, soul and sweat into our posts and, and things like that. Um, when it comes to having people connect virtually um, instead of, you know, coming to the events, because we don't, we don't know what's going forward, um, you know, when we'll be able to open our farm, because we did 
we have closed our farm to visitors. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, like, right. Um, what's, what would be your first event in this, in the spring or in um, the summer? Is it just having your farm shop open or do you do we call it we call it our open up. farm day and that is the saturday after father's day and that's the weekend where you know we generally get all of our baby ducks the animals are out on pasture and people come and see the baby animals um you know bouncing around and you know outside and everybody's you know all all happy and it feels that like that spring summer mode and it's also when you know just before kids are leaving for summer vacation so that's usually our first event Mm -hmm. and we don't know if that's gonna happen this year we're just gonna wait out and see and kind of go from there and then our next one is the fall rural romp that we do in september as well and uh, hopefully you know this storm will blow over and things will be um, you know, maybe a, a bright rainbow at the end of the tunnel, but who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. And you're counting on, you count on those events. You count on people being able to come out and, and as a group, right? They want to come as a family or with friends and they do. Experience. They want to have the experience and families look forward to all of our events. So yeah, families look forward to our events and they come to the events every single year and, you know, look forward to bringing their pumpkin and feeding the pigs um, and the trees and for the goats. And so it's, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks um, what happens and, and the future of doing some farm events as well. You do a lot of, a lot of face-to-face customer interaction and for the most part most of those interactions are very good and very positive most people love to talk to you they love to hear what's going on and you can discuss all kinds of stuff with them now I know you've had some issues with animal rights activists and people who disagree with animal agriculture and some of the things that are happening how have you dealt with that and how are things going on that end of things? It's always um, an, a, a very interesting topic when when it's brought up. We have a mix of customer base. We have, um, you know, customers that like seeing animals on pasture and that, you know, we have that conversation where they're like, factory farms are bad. And I'm like, but that's still agriculture. And those are still like my people. <laughs> and I'm like... There's, there's different types of farming. And I often tell people that you're lucky that you live here where you can have choices. So if you want to support a farmer that, you know, has the pigs on pasture or pigs in a barn, that's your choice. And it doesn't mean that one is necessarily better than the other, but we're still all in agriculture and it's, you can pick which part of that circle that you want to support and, and choose from also get a lot that you just can't have that conversation with them. They have their mindset. They have their, I hate to say maybe agenda and you just need to know when to tell that person to just move on. And <laughs> not give, not feed into it. I know on social media, it's so much easier. I wish I, I wish face to face, I could just hold up a sign that says you've been blocked 
<laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's I. I I've, I've, I haven't had it very often. Thank goodness. But right, it's just yes. block and delete. Yes. There's no yes. point in any in That's any right. discussion. Before you mentioned goats yes. in pajamas, could you elaborate? <laughs> so we, there's been a lot of craze in the last couple of um, years where a lot of like goat yoga and also a lot of... Have you done goat yoga um, before on the no. farm? I'm maybe like no. okay. playing with goats and drinking wine and eating goat cheese, but not <laughs> goat yoga. <laughs> Not goat no, yoga. I'm not a yoga type of girl. <laughs> Yo- yours will eat trees. Exactly. They're not going to do yoga. So with the goats and the pajamas, there's a lot of really cute videos out there on on the Facebook world, and so I would get tagged in them. And it's once people start really associating these cute little goats in pajamas, and then not understanding that you know they do get up to. 150 pounds and you know do get processed for meat we tend to get a lot of people that you know will not eat goat because they've seen these videos of cute little things and how could we eat that and you know have that that type of a conversation too (laughs) in regards to goats that's at least when the goat or what's what's the term for goat Uh, meat like like what do you mean like um a different name for it there is, is there a different a name for it of, i know for cheese i don't know i okay because i know that's one of my biggest pet peeves with the sheep industry is that we call the product we sell and eat and consume yeah. we call it lamb which again right it's that same thing it's people associate the name of the product with this tiny cute little baby lamb but like the ones we eat for me they're upwards of 100 120 pounds and they're not they're not friendly and cute anymore they'll come yeah. up and try to and eat your leg the goats and there's no like i know with lamb there's there's lamb there's mutton like there's a difference between age and with goat there isn't and so a lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> think that they're eating this cute little baby goat and it's like no like we don't we don't process 10 pound goats <laughs> no no right. there's just no point <laughs> that's about all the questions I have for you anything else you want to add what does the what are the future dreams for top market um for right now it's we're just I'm literally taking it day by day <laughs> um yeah it's gonna, I don't blame it's, you it's, I feel like it's a waiting game um I'm almost at the finish line you know hopefully for everybody to kind of see what the next couple months have in store for um farmers markets for farmers for food production for the store in Cambridge like it's it's this it's this big waiting game to see what's going to happen I don't know. They say it's going to be a year and a half to two years before things are quote unquote back to normal. But um, with food and food production, I'm not sure it will take that long, but I'm, I'm really interested to see consumer trends and all of that stuff play out. Cause like, I mean, I'm doing it. I've got a sourdough in the kitchen, right? I've never done that before. And people are, 
learning to cook again and share recipes and you know there are we going to have more people go back to that Sunday night family dinner where they cook a big roast or you know are things going to change that way because for so long now it's all been very convenient and prepackaged and that yeah, kind I've, of thing. I've noticed a difference um over the the weeks where families are coming in a little bit more for groceries because they are cooking home cooked meals and the nice thing that I and that's exciting that I hear is that you know they're starting to get the kids involved because we all eat and we eat more than three times a day and we should know how to cook we should we (laughs) should know how to bake or you know certain things that you know might be easy and you know, I bringing the teenagers into it, like, you know, we, we have our kids always do a meal a week they're in charge of. And, you know, Johnny definitely prefers the summer when he can barbecue a lot more than have to do anything else. And, you know, same with, um, you know, Elizabeth, she, she would rather, you know, do some saute of vegetables and, and making pasta and things like that. Um, but now that we're all home, you know, we're, it's kind of part of our, always kind of been that part of our routine of the sit down quick dinner, or at least a homemade dinner, whether we're all eating at different times, because that we all know that happens on a farm where dinner's made, but someone might not be eating till 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) Yeah. I have been enjoying not making lunches. And then I know, like, I'll just do a big full meal at lunch. And then I'm usually cooking, like, gigantic proportions. And some days I have leftovers. My kids eat more than me most days. But, yeah, it's nice not having to make lunches. And I'm cooking bigger meals. And most of the time we sit down. But we'll, that will change now that we're getting yeah, into spring. Yeah, we always, we always pick our days where we try to. And, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I know, best of intentions. I know, best of intentions and it's like it's just to have that little bit of of time on those crazy days where we are all pulled in different directions besides just sending each other text messages all day it feels like arguing about who has to pass what condiment to what person yes. that's what stage we're at right now I'm at the like you know teenage stage where they all come to the table and then they just roll their eyes at you I love it I love it. <laughs> yeah, the different yes, stages, I eh? Get eye rolls quite often. <laughs> well, thanks so much again for joining me, Leslie. And I hope life and markets and everything like that sort of gets back to normal, or at least you get used to the yeah. the, the new routine. Where can people? Where uh, can we're people on find Facebook you? Facebook for Top Market Meats and Top Market Family Farms for the store in Cambridge, and then we're on Instagram for Top Market Meats. And yeah, people can follow us on those uh, platforms and get in contact, send messages. We, you know, always try to give that update of what's available, where we're going to be at and products that uh you know other farmers are bringing in so we're always trying to make sure that people can stay connected with us thank you Romy. Awesome. thanks so much
Thanks for tuning in and make sure you head on over to Instagram to follow us at CircleRLM where I'll be posting links to the episodes as well as the show notes and any related tip sheets and materials. Feel free to ask any questions or give us suggestions for future episodes. Thanks and happy farming!